Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here from Equestrian Movement and thanks for joining me on another First Do No Harm podcast. Today what I wanted to talk to you guys about was what to do when you feel like you've lost that connection with your horse. This is cycles that we can always be going through in all of our relationships, but it can come up particularly when we're working with our horses where, you know, maybe we can sense something is a bit off and they start doing things that we don't want them to be doing, like walking away from us when we go down to the paddock or pinning their ears at us or stomping their feet, doing these like behaviors that we can sense that they're not particularly fond of us right now. And so how we can take that and kind of re-solidify and consolidate our relationship again. So one of the main factors that I'm looking for when I'm working with the horses with regard to how good our relationship is, is their physical tension and eye contact. So let's start firstly with physical tension. We can see this with, uh, you know, horses with how comfortable they are with the bubble. So some horses have no bubble and they are all over us and they stand in our space and they push over the top of us and they have zero comprehension of personal space and those physical boundaries and so with them what we're trying to do is we are trying to like just set some physical boundaries a little bit there like hey I don't really want you standing on top of me don't go over the top of me you know make that choice to go around me you're not a lap dog. You're too big to be a lap dog. But then what we can see quite often is we can sometimes offend our horses when we're setting those boundaries with them. And we can also see that wall, those boundaries or that personal space bubble, like really kind of come up between us and our horse so that we lose a little bit of that quality of the connection and the relationship that we have with our horse. And we see that a lot in eye contact and in that physical tension. So eye contact is a dead giveaway for me that they are not consenting what I'm doing with them. If you think about or that they feel insecure. So uh, we had a student that was talking to us about how, you know, um, she'd been told to look for her horse's eye contact and that her horse was giving like eye contact 
to her quite a lot, but then also wasn't allowing her to do anything with her. So there is the eye contact where the horse feels threatened and it doesn't want to take its eyes off you because it feels unsafe. And there's the eye contact where they're using it to try and communicate to you. So you have to remember that horses only have body language to communicate to us and eye contact is one of the first body language skills that we learn and the cues that we learn in communication. Sometimes we don't actually learn it as humans. Like there's a lot to say about the um, the bonding experience between the mother and the baby and uh, when the baby is nonverbal about how they use eye contact to show, uh, you know, love with each other and engagement, but also to show like overwhelm, I need a break, you know, those kinds of things where the baby looks away to have a break from the intensity of that connection and then will come back to eye contact to re-engage and to get that love and support from its mother. So eye contact is a foundation of body language that we lose as we develop our words and our language through words, and sometimes that we can miss altogether if we've had like a particularly rough start as a baby, or you know maybe the mum felt uncomfortable in that mother role and so wasn't doesn't understand didn't know or wasn't able to show that quality of connection through the eye contact and the gaze so you know there's lots of things that your eyes communicate they really communicate your emotional state they can communicate love and your experience of oxytocin they communicate anger they communicate frustration they are very adaptive of communicating that internal emotional state and the first thing that you'll see with somebody that's not happy in relationship to you or that is uncomfortable with you doesn't feel secure with you is that they won't give you eye contact they'll keep looking down they it might also be that they're insecure within themselves but primarily uh, somebody that feels safe in relationship to you in that moment will comfortably give you eye contact so it's one of the first things that we work on with the horses with the relaxation cues as well is um, being able to you know, consent through targeting with their muzzle, uh, show relaxation or tension holding or be able to see relaxation, tension holding cues in their body and looking for that eye contact for consent. Because the horses, when we first teach them to target things as a way of consenting whether they're going to work with us or not, the um, they don't understand that that's what they're actually doing. So we're t- teaching them to target and through the experience of... Um, you know, presenting. So let's say we're presenting them with the halter. If they don't target it, we don't put it on. If they do target it, we do put it on. Uh, I did the same with Fiddy with his rug is that if he didn't target it, I didn't put it on. If he did target it, I did put it on. And so we're allowing for control over what happens to them based on a behavior, a certain behavior that they've given. And so then they have 
uh, the power to say no and the control to say whether or not we can do that to them, which makes them feel safer in relationship to us. So they don't know that at the beginning, like that's a process of experience with us where they start to see that pathway of consequence. If they touch the thing that they're being asked to touch, then it like is applied to them. And if they don't touch it, it isn't. Before that, we can see it purely in their eye contact. If they're holding our gaze and they're relaxed, then they're still accepting and consenting of um, what we're doing with them. If their head is high and their eyes are bugging out of their head and they're holding that eye contact on us but their nostrils are flared and they're holding tension in their body then they feel unsafe about the thing that we're asking to do to them and then if they just look away and they stop giving us eye contact sometimes they can be distracted by something that's happening in their environment but what it typically means is they're disengaging in relationship to us they're like oh get it over and done with then I guess so we can see a little bit more of the internalizing behaviors there that could potentially lead to shutting down if like we really pressed it extensively to the point where they felt like they had to forfeit their will to live to accept that we did that to them which I don't think any of you guys would be using as a training technique but we can certainly see it with um you know some of the older traditional natural horsemanship and horsemanship styles. So a horse not giving me eye contact, especially like a horse that I'm working with quite a lot, is my first indication that I'm not acknowledging them somewhere and meeting their needs in relationship somewhere. The reciprocity that we're looking for, the effort for appreciation, the horse isn't feeling it at that stage. Or it could be that there's something else that I have to dig into, like... You know, maybe they are sore or they have a problem that means that they don't want to do the thing that we want to do together. So second to that is when they hold the physical tension in their body. This is one of my favorite lesson plans to teach because I love (laughs) doing it to people. So the way that I will teach this in uh, like a visual context is I will be, you know, in a lesson with a group of riders and then I'll go and stand really, 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 really close to somebody so that I'm incredibly inside their bubble and they are feeling incredibly uncomfortable about how physically close I am in proximity to them. And you can see their their body tense. It's like, I feel unsafe for you to be that close to me. I have this bubble here that I would like you to be aware of and I would appreciate it if you were outside of it. (laughs) And it goes the same way, right, is like if we're too far away in that bubble and we're trying to talk to them then they can feel uncomfortable and it can draw them into us so we want to be aware of this bubble with our horse because we can accidentally be drawing them into us and over the top of us by being too far away from them with their bubble to feel comfortable in relationship to each other and then also if we're like 
in their bubble, which we are in their bubble a lot when we're grooming them, when we're on their back riding them, when we're picking their hooves, like we are in their bubble a lot, they can be holding tension due to the fact that they feel uncomfortable or unsafe with us being that close and maybe they're trying to communicate like more of a issue that they're having so the way that we kind of navigate this with the horses in the school and particularly because we have so many people that they don't know come in and ride them and then the parents of those kids and they are starting beginners so we don't really want the kids bit or kicked is that the first lesson that everybody learns is to ask for consent to approach. So these horses have been taught that if they target your hand that you will then pat them and so if you if they don't target your hand you won't pat them and you won't touch them and you will like maintain that proximity where you're not in their bubble and it's the first thing that our students learn as well is that you hold your hand out you ask for permission to touch them and if they don't target it don't take offense to it they just don't want you to touch them or pat them And so what that does is it means that the risk of our students getting bit or kicked is significantly de-escalated because the horse has a say, it has the power to control what happens to them. And so we don't have to trigger that, um, you know, emotional response to being out of control over what happens to them. They have some say in whether, um, you know, you can pat them or not or do things with them or not. And so what that does is that in itself is a way of improving the quality of relationship because what we're doing is we're creating psychological safety. The horse feels safe to communicate its needs. The horse feels safe to say, I don't want you to touch me. The horse feels safe to say, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a little bit overwhelmed right now. I just need a little break. So they feel safe to communicate their needs and then we give them the space. They re-engage of their own accord. It's, you know, initially it can feel a bit uncomfortable and weird because we feel like that no is final and that they're never going to say yes again. But that no is just a not right now. It doesn't necessarily mean never again. It's just a don't touch me right now. I need a little break from that physical touch. And then you can find ways of creating reciprocity, making sure that you're touching them in a way that they enjoy, making sure that that experience is coming from a place of love because they really appreciate, you know, being touched with loving and caring hands. And so we're creating this environment that, you know, even when our horses maybe are had enough and they maybe don't want to do what we want to do and maybe they're not um, actively engaged, we're still using it as an opportunity to consolidate and solidify how we are in relationship to them. So what we're looking at is, you know, when our horse is saying to us, not right now, or is 
you know, we feel like we've lost a little bit of connection, quite often what is being communicated is that they're not experiencing the reciprocity. They're not experiencing the fair exchange for their effort. And while that can be hard to hear because, you know, we quite often feel like we're giving our horses a lot because of vet bills and adjustment bills and feed bills and farrier bills and trainer bills and all these kinds of things, our horses don't necessarily see that. And so we have to find a better way of communicating that reciprocity to them. That reciprocity has to be in the moment. So when we're looking at building maybe a little tear in the relationship like the tears are normal they're to be expected maybe we also another way that we've had this described is like putting money in their savings like every time you ask your horse to do something you're drawing money out of the bank what are you doing to put money back into the bank what are you doing to create a reserve where if you really need to ask something of your horse uh, because they really need to do it for like their health or their survival or something important like that, like trying to extract them from a fence or trying to put eye drops in their eyes for an infection. What are we putting in the bank to give that reserve of reciprocity for behaviors that we want them to give us? And so we're really looking to establish that fair exchange and then that helps to build the quality of the relationship back in. And then it's just about how we're going to show up in relationship with them. So if we're doing things with them and we're communicating that we're scared because we, we're we scared and our nervous system is responding from fear, our horses aren't going to go, oh, sure, like I am willingly going to follow your lead there even though you're communicating to me how scared you are about doing that thing. So we have to make sure that within that relationship we feel safe and we're creating strategically creating environments and scenarios where it's building positive experiences, it's building trust and confidence, there is reciprocity and fair exchange and uh, we're depositing into that savings account. So the first thing that we're looking at doing is developing the psychological safety where we're reading our horse's body language that there is a little tear in relationship with our horse and then we're giving them the tools to communicate their consent and their engagement and then we're using that to kind of decipher what our horse needs to participate in relationship with us so that it feels like there's a fair exchange and for each horse that is individual personality based and we have to adapt it to each horse. So for example, um, you know, Angel requires a lot more um, motivation and engagement and treat orientated praise to get the effort from her to do the work that I'm asking of her. She requires much more of that than say, uh, like Phoenix or Hunter, who are just naturally more high energy horses, more active horses. So it's easier for them to give effort. And so you wanna think about that as well, right? It's like, 
the effort isn't the same across the board. You know, the heavier horses, it's harder for them to give that like um, athletic speed effort. And so we, they're going to naturally do less than a more athletically bred horse. So the fair exchange is dependent on the horse's interpretation of its experience of that fair exchange. We can't project onto them what we think is a fair exchange based on, you know, relationships that we've had with other horses and how we've worked with other horses. It's a negotiation between you and that particular horse with the tools that you have to communicate that with them. That's it for us today. Uh, keep the conversation going. Jump on, jump in our Stronger Bond community and let us know if you've noticed like little behaviors of your horse, maybe little micro tears in that relationship showing up or where you've had to overcome a little um, boundary or wall coming up between you and your horse and had to navigate through it. Until next time, happy trails. If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognize that trying to control your horse through submission-based training is the worst way to ask your horse to look after you. If you're working with or riding horses, you know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking they can physically control their 400 plus kilo fur babies by moving their feet or spooking them into responding with flags and join up. Without giving your horse a reason to care about you and look after you, you will most likely end up with a horse that is disconnected at best, shut down or explosive at worst because they can't communicate their needs with you. Especially if you are already scared, worried or nervous handling your horse. That's why we've created our new free online training experience, Building a Connection with Your Horse. This is how I've gone about creating safe horses for beginners, no matter the breed or previous handling experiences. If you want to learn the secret source behind developing safe horses that care about you and look after you without trauma triggering training methods, register for our new training today at www.equestriummovement.com forward slash connection. And I will uncover the three big mistakes you might be making if you're trying to build a relationship with your horse and how you can start building your horse's trust and confidence in you as a leader worth following.